Hello, friends, and welcome back to What the Hell is Up? My name is Claire. I'm a nurse and a Seattle-based podcaster. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm here today to ask, what the hell is up with disability pride? What the hell is up with ableism? And uh, what the hell is up with you? I hope that this episode, despite being in the midst of Throughout 
this episode and the next, I'll also be featuring some lovely, moving, empowering music by um, KPH and the Canary Collective, whose singer Kaylee Pruitt-Ham will be featured in the second part of this these this two episode series um, focused on disability justice and uh, for Disability Pride Month. So um, without further ado, I won't ramble on too much, but we'll get right into it. She lost track of time She was moving fast Bent towards me in a straight line I said you look familiar Have I seen you before? She filled my palm with ice And kicked me out the door Hi, Melissa. Hi, Claire. It's nice to talk with you today. Hey, yes. Thank you so much for being on What the Hell is Up? Yes, I'm happy to be with you virtually. Yes, it's it's um, funny because we, so before we started recording, we were just talking about how the last time we've seen each other is probably on campus at SPU, and it's been quite a while for the both of us um so it's really nice to connect with you Mm -hmm. same here um well if I could just ask you to introduce yourself and um kind of how do you identify what are your your pronouns and um maybe if you could talk a little bit about where you're from some of your background sure definitely well my name is my full name is Melissa Del Rio, um, and this is important because my last name is Spanish. However, my ancestry is Filipino, and so I identify as a Christian mixed race woman of color. And something unique about my name I researched several years ago is that in Irish Gaelic dialect, it means follower of Jesus, and so I strongly identify with that as well. Um, I am a born and raised Pacific Northwest um, Seattleite. I've lived here my entire life, and yeah, in high school I was voted uh, most likely never to leave Edmonds, <laughs> so I say, well, I left to go to Seattle, but I'm, I'm still in the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) Oh, and my uh, pronouns are she, her. I am also a native to Seattle and it's the Pacific Northwest is beautiful and nobody can really refute that. (laughs) Yes, I agree. All the green with the trees never gets old to me. Yes, it's, and especially during the summers, it's just, it's beautiful. It's a blessing. Mm -hmm, Definitely. 
Um, and so I know you went to SPU, obviously. Um, can you talk about what you studied and, and what that experience was like for you? Um, sure. So I studied actually a range of things because I obviously had a hard time picking a major. <laughs> um, <laughs> but within my studies or my main focus was theology, sociology and music. I kind of tied it together as one general studies, liberal arts degree. Um, however, oh wow. My passion was in disability awareness and disability rights. So whenever I got the freedom in projects to study it, then I would incorporate that into it. Um, yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so how, how did you first get involved with disability rights advocacy and and what has your journey been like with that oh wow like this is a wonderful question this bring me brings me back to uh mm-hmm. sophomore year at spu um so i i didn't necessarily grow up with disabilities other than uh every so often having a stutter come in i easily hid that though by um, not talking a lot growing up uh, in school. Um, and then uh, in high school, this is a little bit of background because this will make sense for answering the question some. I um, noticed uh, some difficulties with my hearing and processing um, auditory information. Mm-hmm. And so it was my first year in college was when I was having even uh, more, I'd say, noticing more um, challenges with my hearing or what I would say hard of hearing or deaf gain. But I I still have some hearing. Mm -hmm. And so because of this, I started facing some challenges at SPU and like needing accommodations and closed captions whenever professors shared videos in classes. Um, so mm-hmm. I was really nervous at at the start of SPU to advocate for myself um, because it was something new I was experiencing and I needed to go through my mm-hmm. own uh, like discovery journey, I would say, of that. Um, however, I would say I've, I've shared this story quite a few times. One of uh, the classes I would say, it sounds cliche, but I would say changed my life was um, Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil's and uh, yes. uh, uh, intro to reconciliation class with um, Professor Dr. Neenhouse. And I would say, one of the reasons it um, really empowered and changed my life was because it helped me um, feel more comfortable with disability and my identities. Um, and this mm-hmm. is related to our final project. Um, so one of our final projects, we had to read a novel uh, in a group set with a group. 
and it had to okay. relate to like um, Christian social justice, like reconciliation theme. However, at the beginning, when they first talked about it, they showed the books they had and they didn't have a book related to disability. And so I was brave mm -hmm. and asked if there would be one. And they um, incorporated a book and it was called Disability, um, Disability in the Gospel, How God Uses Our Brokenness to Display His Grace. And so I had a wonderful group where we studied the book together and prepared a presentation for it. Um, and that oh, was the so time cool. where I was, yes, it was awesome. I would say the, the book in itself is what really helped change my perspective of disability at that point and um, particularly in the faith realm. And um, mm. because I would have questions of like, why is this happening to me and kind of self-pity. Um, but this book, um, I, I would say there, there were some very difficult sections to read and how it talked about um, a long time ago, how um, even young children and babies who were born with disabilities were treated uh, quite poorly. Um, mm. But they used uh, scripture throughout the book and um, just really validated that um, this uh that it's okay to have a disability and be a Christian and that it it was empowering because it can be used to um, really uh, show people who God is and his grace uh, and and their um, and their glory and power and so then when it was time to do our presentation mm -hmm. this was like one of my favorite parts I um, opened up our pres presentation and introduced it with um, all in sign language, no sound, and introduced that we were going to be doing the presentation and introduce the book. And then I repeated it with sound, um, intentionally talking to the class that um, so they would get an experience of someone else's world in that view. And then we went through the yes. kind of um, context or depth of the book. And towards the end, each person shared, like, why they chose that book. And that when I shared, that was the first time I actually shared that I have a disability. And that's why I wanted to choose that book. That was the first time I yeah. shared I have a disability in front of in front of more than I, I would say almost for the first time and it was in front of about wow. 30 35 people and one of the reasons why I remember this so much uh, was because after the presentation I this never happened to me before but I was actually crying tears of like joy and mm. like that <laughs> I will never forget <laughs> So long story short, because of that experience, it empowered me and um, enabled me to give me the confidence to um, fight for the accommodations I needed at SPU and as yes. well as recognize 
oh, there are things on campus that are not accessible and there are ways people with disabilities and students can feel more um, belonged on campus where they are feeling excluded. And so mm-hmm. towards the end of my sophomore year in spring, I started working with a friend on developing um, the first ever disability advocacy club. Uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it was uh, uh, the first year of it was my junior year. So it's went. I'd say that was a big life changer as well. And I hope helped host the first ever um, disability awareness event. And um, one of our events for that year, it was called What is Normal? And it was about redefining society's perspective of normal. So we shared different um, Mm -hmm. videos related to um, diverse ranges of disability. Um, So that included physical, mental, emotional, um, invisible disabilities too. And then um, someone from the club would share a statement about like what is normal to them. And we would give people reflection time to write down what they thought was normal after the presentation. And so like one of them I shared was- Sounds powerful. Oh yes, it was so powerful, yeah. One of them I shared was normal for me is watching uh, videos with captions. So um, yeah, I think I got a little sidetracked, but that's a little bit of what I <laughs> did at SPU. <laughs> no, that's that's wonderful. Um, it's amazing to hear you mention how you were you were just sort of coming into this um, realization about sort of like your identity, having a disability, mm-hmm. um, and yet you still kind of took took um, agency to create something new at SPU and and fight for um, for justice and, and greater accessibility. That's amazing. Thanks, Claire. Yeah, it was. Um, definitely not easy, I would say. Um, there were pushback at times um, when I would request for um, more things related to accessibility of the university. And sometimes uh, the issue of finances would get involved too. Um, and there were discussions of how the second floor of this sub is not accessible to um, people who may be using wheelchair users. And so if you need to meet with someone who works on the second floor of the student union building, it would have to be in a different place if you were a wheelchair user or someone else that needed an elevator. Yes, and I remember the student union building had some incredibly important services on the second floor. Oh, yes, I remember um, quite a few services I was involved in, as well as the student ministry department and the um, MEP program, which stands for um, um, 
uh, multi-ethnic program for SPU students. Um, so uh -huh. that kind of relates to another thing I was involved in was um, I also grew in my identity as a Christian woman growing, um, going to SPU. And so because of this, I was recognizing different ways um, ministry was not accessible for people with disabilities as well um, at SPU, oh, as well as in the church. Um, and so I was able to help teach about that. And I, for um, about a year and a half, I was able to um, sign so American Sign Language, I, I did a little bit of what's called signed English. So that's more um, since there's different grammar in sign language versus um, regular English, I would say. And so for the chapel, every Tuesday I helped with um, interpreting and signing the worship music. And that just gave it another mm -hmm. realm for accessibility and also a conversation starter as well. That's amazing. So you um you really did bring your your um skills and knowledge to several spaces at SPU which I just um imagine were like really in need for by students. Um so what uh what does your work look like now? Sure. Um what do you mean pre-COVID times or currently right now with COVID? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I should have specified. Um let's talk about both. Maybe starting with pre-COVID. Okay, definitely. Yeah. So I work for a nonprofit. Um Pre-COVID times, I was uh, job coaching uh, people with de developmental disabilities at their jobs. And so it enabled them to um, be involved in the community and um, make money just like typical adults as well. And I also write spoken word on the side and have performed at a couple venues yeah. um, as well. So. Um, I haven't done too many performances uh, lately, especially because of COVID. Um, but I, I did one recording last week, actually for my job, um, and it will be uh, coming out this coming week in honor of the uh, ADA Americans with Disabilities Act 30th anniversary. Sorry, can um. Can you please repeat the last few seconds of what you said? Because I, I think it might have cut out. Oh, sure. No problem. Yeah. So I was sharing how uh, my piece that was recorded last week for work will be, um, it's for the American with Disabilities Act 30th anniversary, uh, which is this month. Oh, so cool. Yeah. And so with COVID, it has definitely been different. I, um, most of my 
clients, I've been coaching them from home uh, instead of on their job sites um, due to safety and um, yeah. just making sure to continue the rapport and continue growing in their job skills. Um, so that's a little bit of what I do at my job. Um, one of my um, goals or dreams, though, is uh, hopefully in the future, within the next couple of years, but I guess I'm flexible. Who knows what will happen? <laughs> um, but mm -hmm. I uh, would love to own my own business um, related to consulting for uh, disability awareness and accessibility. So where I would go to events, businesses, nonprofits, schools, and speak on disability awareness, um, accessibility, um, accommodations, and um, a big portion of that would be performing um, spoken word related to those topics as well. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, such a powerful vehicle to communicate like your experience and, and reach people um, and connect with them. And, um, okay, sorry, I got a little lost with my, I lost my train of thought for a moment. <laughs> um, oh, no worries. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for sharing about your work there. And I look forward to hearing your spoken word here in a minute. Um, so I have a few questions sort of about like, uh, disability and and ableism and to be completely transparent I have so much to learn about both of these topics um, but I am curious what kinds of miscommunication uh, sorry misconceptions you believe are are present um, about the disabled community yeah I have um, several things I could say I one of my other dreams is to actually perform a TED Talk around this um, very topic, as well as accessibility. Hell yeah. Yes. This is your little like intro to a TED Talk. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. Thanks for the practice. <laughs> um, oh, you're going to get there. You didn't need this, but this is maybe this is like a rehearsal or something. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I think the important thing right, uh, right now for the question is actually to talk about what ableism is. Because I know uh, I get that question a lot um, when I bring up different uh, social justice topics as well. Um, mm. Because everything, I believe, is intersectional. Um, like the disability community, community can affect anyone and everyone as well. So that's why um, it's important to, uh, be, to have intersectional work. But um, yeah, to quote uh, Emma Olson from Access Living, uh, her article, Ableism 101, what it is, what it looks like, and what we can do to fix it. Um, mm -hmm. Ableism is a social construct similar to racism where um, people with disabilities are discriminated, devalued because of having a disability. It's social prejudice against people with disabilities on the assumption that typical able-bodied people are superior and that they're better 
than uh, the other. And it's also grounded in the idea that people with disabilities need to be fixed or healed in defining people by their disability. I've seen this played out um, sometimes in um, faith and religious background spaces. Mm. Um, like there's like imagine. the, yes, definitely. Like the ableist concept of like, oh, if you're not healed or not fixed, then um, you are not uh, trying hard enough. You're not praying hard enough or your relationship yeah. with your religion or God is not, is not good. Um, but that is not, I don't believe that at all. That is not true. And I believe mm -hmm. um, we are all created differently and disability is just part of diversity. And that, and yeah. um, that we are, and that disability is used to um, show God and in different ways than what we would typically see. Yes. Um, yeah, I, um, I have I feel more like... to say. Oh, sorry, you can go, Claire. Oh, no, I was just going to mention that um, I, my, I, I feel like I have more seen, um, I, that's true, and I've, I've seen it kind of play out with mental illness as, like, mm -hmm. a different way that the church can, um, like, rather than celebrating differences and supporting um can convince people that they are they don't belong with um mm -hmm. with sort of what they bring and it, it sounds um even more so when it comes to disabilities yes yes preach it i'm I'm all ears when it comes to that <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah. but what were you, do you remember what you were gonna say Oh, yeah, I was just going to, um, I know I talked, I went into defining the ableism. Um, yeah. What else was more part of the question, or if you can repeat that, please? Um, yeah, so you spoke to how ableism sort of perpetuates this idea that disabled people are inherently inferior. Um, how do you think that manifests or, like, um, do you, do you want to share at all how that has come up in your life? Um, I don't have too many examples right now I would like to share, but there are definitely a lot of um, worldly it's a big question. examples too. Yes, it's a big question, um, but it, it is shown in the healthcare industry and even mm -hmm. in um, violence against people with disabilities just because they are perceived as unworthy. I I remember um, what year was it? I think it was 2015. Um, I could be wrong. There was a deadly massacre in Japan of people with disabilities from at a residential facility and oh my god yeah and it it was from a worker who mm -hmm. who deemed them as like uh unworthy of life as part of the reason mm -hmm. yeah. to for that massacre 
So that's kind of an mm -hmm. extreme example, I would say. Um, but there's um, daily examples too. And there's, I don't want to talk for everyone either because each person who has disability um, has different experiences in life. Um, yeah. But for me, most of mine are invisible. So I, my experiences are going to be different compared to my friend who's a wheelchair user. Um, but I've gotten questions before um, of when I went to use an elevator one time um, at a library because my legs were hurting that day. Um, mm -hmm. And um, someone commented right as I was going into the elevator with a friend like, oh, why? Why is she using the elevator? She doesn't need to. Um, I don't remember the exact word for word, but it was um, what I would say uh, or what I would call like a ableist microaggression. Um, yes. Yes. Um, and then another thing that is often perceived a little bit different topic, but still similar as uh people with disabilities perceived as inspirational um, oh. just because they have a disability and okay. they do uh, and for like doing daily tasks such as like getting an education or brushing their teeth or um, playing an instrument in band even though they have some hearing loss. Oh, that's so inspiring. Let's clap for her. Mm. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I can go on and on about that, but there's an amazing TED talk related to this that okay. um, my my speaking of it just does not give it justice. I, I love her TED talk. So it's by um, I Am Not Your Inspiration by Stella Young, and that okay. really gets into the details of the perspective that typical and able-bodied people see people with disabilities as inspiring just for yeah. existing well it, it almost it almost sounds like kind of a form of appropriation too oh yes um yes, I agree. to not provide like the resources support and accessibility that disabled folks need yet sort of like maybe even like commodifying their disability as inspiring mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing about that Oh, my pleasure. It's an important um, topic. Um, well, I, I want to sort of wrap up with just a couple of more questions before we hear your spoken word. Um, let's see. Okay, the first is... And... If, if you're not sure about this, that's that's totally fine. But how do you think that COVID-19 has specifically impacted um, disabled people? Yes. Um, well, I've definitely seen it in my own line of work that it has created a lot more isolation for people with disabilities, especially if they are um, part of a vulnerable population. So they can't go out as much as um, people who are not vulnerable. Right. And so 
um, that is even impacting how they receive services as well, such as if they have caregivers. Um, there have been stories where caregivers were um, couldn't come to like people's houses um, mm -hmm. due to COVID-19 and them feeling uncomfortable in themselves. I mean, them feeling uncomfortable going to oh, the okay. house because of COVID and wanting to keep people safe as well. Um, but but those, yeah. those individuals still need, still need the, the care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And then I would say, I, I talked about this with my manager a couple of weeks ago too, that there are, um, I don't quote me on the exact wording because I don't remember the <laughs> article, <laughs> but there no are, worries. Um, more um, people with disabilities who live in like residential settings um, and facilities. Um, so people who don't live with family and have more of like a residential care support um, who are affected more by COVID-19 and that those facilities are at higher risk as well. Um, and so it is mm -hmm. more common for people in those facilities to um, experience death from COVID-19. Definitely. Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing about that. That's really um, important to, to know about. Um, and I can tell that your work has definitely been specifically impacted by COVID-19. So, um, yeah. Um, what are, what are some of your hopes going forward? I know you, I know you want to have a TED talk and I know you're going to get there. Um, what other hopes do you have like with your work and also just kind of within the disabled community, like going forward? Oh, that's a big question. Well, I think <laughs> you touched on some of them. Um, yeah, my hope is to just continue spreading, uh, disability awareness and um, accessibility, because although there's the ADA and Americans with Disabilities Act, um, businesses don't always compli comply to sure. accommodations. So my hope is in the future with the Americans with Disability Act turning 30, um, that in itself will bring attention to more disability awareness. Um, and uh, just continued um, fighting for um, intersectional disability awareness um, situations too. Yeah. Um, yes, um, I, I think that these conversations about disability need to really be broader and more transparent. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I too hope that there can be greater change and be greater understanding. And um, I'm really thankful to you for contributing that by sharing with me. Oh, yes. Thank you uh, so much, Claire, for providing this space. Um, uh, spaces like these are so important to have. Yeah, well, it's it's just wonderful to hear about your experience. Um, 
if if you're ready, I'd love to hear your spoken word. Sure. Um, I think there was one more thing I'd like to touch on is the yes, um, please. The topic of how disability impacts uh, BIPOC, Black Indigenous People of Color. And um, so one thing I would like to talk about is how um, the stigma and also accessibility when it comes to finances and funding and how Mm -hmm. it is impacted a lot more in those communities. and so it, it talks a little bit more about that in my spoken word as well. I thought it was important to touch on that as well as sometimes within those communities. I don't want to speak to all of them, but from my experience coming from a, a mixed race Filipino American background, um, there are stigma when it comes to disability. It's, okay. it's often a taboo topic in the family sometimes and um, it can be kept a secret for years and years but um, because of stigma and taboo um, thoughts of disability the person within that culture um, it it can be difficult to get the means and accommodations needed Um, but I, Mm -hmm. I thought I would speak a little bit about that as well. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. And I would imagine along with maybe that cultural stigma um, because of sort of like the structure of especially the healthcare system in the U.S. and, and the difficult relationship with sort of like white medical practitioners and mm-hmm. especially um black folks, but also like all people of color in terms of their relationship with white health practitioners, like that accessibility and the the ability for um, especially disabled black indigenous people of color, like to interface with the healthcare system and get the support and services they need or, or get the disability services. It's like even more difficult. So yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Yes, definitely. It truly makes a difference, too, within the healthcare system. Like, I grew up having um, white healthcare professionals, and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Um, but several years ago, when I um, moved to Seattle for school, um, well, I would say a lot longer than that, um, Maybe two two thousand fourteen or two thousand fifteen is when I found a um, practitioner who um, is a woman of color, and because of that, it kind of created this unexplainable rapport and trust. And so I felt comfortable. Oh, that's amazing. Yes, it's incredible because I I feel more comfortable talking to her about things that I haven't talked to anybody else about. And so it's been a really good experience so like all my healthcare team they're actually all from different um backgrounds of people of color um so it it has really been life-changing for me in that way wow yeah that's that's amazing um 
I hope that more people of color and um, can get connected with those health practitioners who are more representative of their their racial and ethnic identities. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you did. <laughs> yeah, I feel very privileged in that way. Yeah. So I'm really uh, excited to share with you all um, one of my most recent pieces. Um, yes. This one I finalized last month in June um, pertaining to the Black Lives Movement and redefining the word accessibility. And so it's a little bit of background. It starts out kind of pertaining to the word of accessibility um, or related to um, people with disabilities and having accommodations. And then it branches out into a more broader term and more inclusive. And it kind of demonstrates why intersectionality is so important. So yeah, it's called accessibility and I hope you all enjoy it. This is for the ones who have fought to be seen, yet not just seen, but to feel belong. It may seem where accessibility is equality and not equity, where excuses are made and she is told it's just too expensive. But I'll tell you what is just, when accessibility becomes a step in, wait, wait, actually a wheel into disability rights as civil rights and a ramp into human rights. Accessibility is the dragon dictation speech to text, where there becomes too many C's and too many S's dancing around together like identical twins and trying to trick the teacher. Who is the C? Who is the S? And then we got younger siblings D and P jumping during recess. Not quite identical, but for sure fraternal twins. Accessibility is having access to spell the word properly. Having the C's seated in their chairs and the S's in their chairs. Like having access to seats in movie theaters where captions are on screen. She sees a girl like her signing ASL in the movie. Accessibility for that girl who fought for live captions at the university each year leading up to graduation. Where? There it commenced live transcribed, cra- live transcribed captions during graduation. Accessibility is having a quiet room to take her exams with extended time and books in multiple formats. Accessibility are flashing lights for cell phone notifications and alarms, like a light bulb sparking and going off during an epiphany. An epiphany in a company that finally gets the justice of accessibility. An epiphany when the student finds out the correct answer. Flashing lights like a light bulb when a client accomplishes a new task they didn't think they could do. However, there were accessible employment services. Accessibility is affordable testing evaluations for learning disabilities in minority populations. It is a professor describing the pictures on the PowerPoint presentation for a student who is blind. 
It is playground with swings designed for wheelchair users. And it is finances and resources to get wheelchair ramps installed for homes for people experiencing poverty and disability. Accessibility are image descriptions and braille safety guides for airplane flights. Accessibility is proper lighting for reading lips and facial expressions in a room. Accessibility is also lower cabinets and kitchens and electronic can openers and potato peelers and machine vegetable cutters. Accessibility is designated shopping hours for people who are vulnerable with disabilities during COVID-19. It's also quiet shopping hours and quiet rooms and restaurants for people on the autism spectrum. It is healthy food, nutrition, and fitness programs. It is phrases used in gatherings such as, as you are able, please stand. It is access to religious institutions and churches that will love, encourage, and affirm black and brown skin as beautifully created in the image of God. Beautiful like the shades and the swirls of colors from the evening sunset. It is worship music in your native tongue. It is also sit-down votes in Senate rather than standing votes for wheelchair users. Accessibility is the National Mental Health text line resource rather than phone numbers. Accessibility is the heart of a professor taking time to caption and transcribe a video before teaching that topic to the class. Accessibility is access to learn about your history and culture throughout the school years rather than a designated month where teachers and school districts focus on the same black and brown historical figures every single year. Like a muscle memory musical routine for playing your 12 major and minor skills only for the month of February. Accessibility includes access to tutors, learning activities, mentors, and summer camps for black children. Accessibility and understanding in police who see autism behavior or even sign language as a threat than shoot, rather a cry for communication and wanting to feel heard and helped. Where people of color are experiencing mental illness and manic episodes feel safe to reach out to emergency 911 services, rather than fearing for their lives. Accessibility is affordable and experienced lawyers for the wrongly convicted and the incarcerated. Accessibility is access to affordable and qualified ASL interpreters for deaf, black, indigenous people of color at protests, rallies, ceremonies, events, and memorials that should never be a need to have in the first place. It is safe and affordable routes for leaving marches and protests without getting pepper sprayed, tear gassed, push from police shields, or even getting hit with rubber bullets. It includes celebrating another birthday and milestone with your family and friends. 
It is access to systemic change, including white, able-bodied allies in solidarity with a pit and pit feeling in their gut, like newfound compassion and allowing yourself, and I'm referring to white folks here, to let go of the fear of stepping out of your comfort zone and embracing uncomfortability for dismantling unconscious biases. Hello, listen up. Black and brown people have lived their entire lives, I mean, over 300 years of uncomfortability, that it has become an unjust normal. It is being heard and listened to, and then people in authority acting upon the words in, in response to allowing voices to be heard. Accessibility includes access to media and reporters who will tell the whole truth and story, not a single story. Accessibility is the belief of someone's invisible pain. A doctor looking like you as a woman of color. Accessibility of trust and safety. Accessibility includes affordable health care, especially for lower socioeconomic black and brown communities. This includes safe and reliable transport, transportation to and from medical appointments, therapy, hearing aids, and, access, and assistive technology, mental health medications, support groups, and treatment programs. Hello, Deaf Black Lives Matter. Hashtag Black Lives with Disabilities Matter. Hashtag Black Mental Health Matter. Accessibility are support groups for lived experiences and lifting our black and brown brothers and sisters out of the valley of despair and through bright and warm, loving, yellow sun rays of hope. And it is access to interview clothes and transportation for job interviews. Accessibility includes mental health days in the work field for black, indigenous, people of color. And safe processes for reporting racism, ableism, all the isms, hate speech, while feeling heard and seen as the company acts upon the reported incident and then initiating new policies. Creating a safer environment to work in, but not just for showing up to the shift, rather allowing room to excel and grow like a flower bulb blooming into a beanstalk tall sunflower. Accessibility is access to systemic change conversations with leaders, CEOs, university presidents, and school principals after receiving the required amount of petition signatures. Oh, wait, 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 my listeners. We should not have to need petitions. Accessibility is having access to change without petitions. Accessibility must include solidarity and allyship. Accessibility is justice. And having access to a long and fulfilling, prosperous life. Accessibility is perspective through open-mindedness and transformation and one's heart, gut, feeling, compassion creating an exploding empowerment and releases of freedom. Thanks.
This was accessibility. Yes, so good. I am terrible at snapping, but I just, I was snapping the whole time for you. Um, that was so beautiful and I'm so moved and thankful. Um, what a beautiful, I, I love the way that your spoken word was just sort of almost it gave me this sense of imagination of like what if the world like what if our society was accessible and this is what it would look like mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. thank you melissa oh thank you claire thanks for having me i i love every opportunity i get to share um my spoken word pieces um related to intersectional justice because it's needed information to get out there Yes, such a word, and um, I'm, yeah, definitely ag agree that it needs to be shared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, again, thank you so much for talking, and um, I, I hope that you'll be blessed and safe and healthy as we continue with, you know, COVID and just everything. <laughs> Thanks, Claire. Thanks, and have a good evening, and I um, look forward to connecting again. Me too. Thanks, Melissa. Uh -huh, bye. Blessings. I was too parched and weak, but the traveler chose now to speak. She said, I've been to the future, we could have won. So don't exit now till all is said and done. Please don't drop this ball around the sun. Please don't drop.